0: back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Now that we are in kind of the rhythm of a season, we're going to try our best to record Sunday afternoon uh, review podcasts where we watch the, the latest game and um, kind of discuss what we saw after the rewatch, kind of, you know, In our instant reaction, whether we kind of hit things on the head or if we were off on some things, we can definitely correct those instant reaction takes in this podcast. Um, And of course, Miami won their season opener on Friday night, 38 to three over the Miami of Ohio Redhawks. So we do have a lot to get into here. On the positive side, there's also some areas to monitor, areas to work on, like there is For every team around the country, there's no such thing as a perfect game. And as we know, the old cliche is every team makes its biggest jump from week one to week two. So we'll kind of get into uh, the good, maybe the areas to monitor, areas to keep an eye on here moving forward. As Miami now prepares for a big, big, big week two matchup against a Texas A&M team that also had an encouraging performance here in week one of their season. But before we get into the podcast here, Gabby, we have a new sponsor for all our gamers out there that want to, uh, you know, gamers slash college football fans. I think this is a a really cool idea. Obviously, there's a void in this space right now with with NCAA video games still not quite out yet. Um, So in the meantime, though, Gabby, there is a game out there called football coach colon college dynasty and Gabby tell us more about this game because again I think it's a cool idea at the intersection of college football and gaming
1: yeah I I mean I think this is an awesome idea I mean there I, I can remember just countless hours and hours spent uh you know playing college football video games like you said David obviously avoid and you know college football coach uh Football Coach College Dynasty, it has a 95% positive rating on Steam, Uh, so this is a game that you can play on the PC, and College Dynasty is is the ultimate college football management game. You can be a coach and create game plans, you can call plays, you can recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. If the game features everything you love about college football, including conference realignment, school boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and even NIL. So this is a game that very fairly represents the current landscape in college football. Uh, the game right now is available on Steam for just eleven ninety nine. So if you've been crazy craving some college football uh, in your life, you know, in your free time, in your spare time, and you want to build up a program, uh, Football Coach College Dynasty is the game for you. Yeah, it sounds like... So for soccer fans out there, there's a game called Football Manager
0: um, that I used to play back in the day, but it sounds like a similar idea. I don't know if it's made by the same people or not, um, but it is like if you were into Dynasty mode back in the day on the NCAA game, uh, this sounds like you know there are some similarities there with running a program, right? I think that's what this game's about. So if you're a gamer and you're starving for some college football game, um, this could be the game for you. So check it out on Steam. Again, you play that through your PC and uh, and have fun with it. So let's hop in now to the podcast, Gabby, and, and dive into the 38-3 win over the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. Um, let's just start with the good, right? What we liked. And we got a lot into this here in the Instant Reaction podcast, but um, where where I kind of want to start, Gabby is big picture uh, with with speaking of what I liked about this game. And really just simply, I liked that Miami came out ready, sorry, the Miami Hurricanes came out ready on both sides of the ball. Um, and, and within that, they played fast. They started fast, which is always nice. Like we always say how it'd be great to start fast. Um, I think that's a little easier said than done at times because execution goes into that. Um, But what I liked is, number one, they came out ready. They came out prepared. They came out with energy. Also within that, they executed, and that led to, boom, starting the game off with a 40-yard kickoff return. Then on your first drive, you score a touchdown on a 44-yard explosive catch and run to Colby Young. Defense comes out on the field, forces a three and out. I mean, that's as good of a start as you could expect in any game. They went out and did that. That established the momentum in their favor. Then in the second half, came out, similarly started fast, uh, forced a three and out on defense. Offense came on the field, went and scored a touchdown. So I think that early momentum was big for this team in particular. You know, If we're being honest, this program, you know, in this Mario Cristobal era, at this at this stage of the trajectory of his tenure, these little things do matter. Uh, they're they're yeah. trying to learn how to win, and I think that was encouraging. Again, of course, Miami of Ohio, inferior opponent, da 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 da. But Miami came out and did that. We've seen them struggle to start this way against inferior opponents, so I, that was encouraging. And then within that, Gabby. Just another big picture point for me. I felt like Miami overall, the Hurricanes, played a clean game. Penalties are going to happen during the course of a game, but for the most part, I feel like they kind of limited their penalties. Um, I feel like, you know, look, we talk about football. The essence of football is blocking and tackling. I think they blocked really well, you know, pass protection and in the run game. And then the tackling, I thought, for especially a game one, was pretty pretty high level. Um, I think Pro Football Focus graded them out with four missed tackles in the game. You know, to to my eye, I think that was fair. I think that you know, I didn't feel like it was a bad tackling game, especially within the context of it being a first game, when tackling can be an issue for a lot of teams because they're coming out of a fall camp where. There's very little tackling nowadays. So those would be my two main big picture points. Gabby, I don't know if you want to take the conversation somewhere else, but just what stood out to you? Where would you want to go with what you liked after rewatching the game?
1: Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that just stands out to me, and it's along those same lines, and I do think we touched upon it a little bit, but I do think it's like a key, I, I think just one of the keys and just one of the things that, you know, I took away is just, I think really for the, Maybe I, I would I probably say for the first time I think we just saw we saw like the physic like the like what Mario Cristobal wants it to look like we saw a glimpse of what he envisioned this program to be when he first got here on both sides of the line of scrimmage uh you know again you talk about starting fast and they kind of kept it going uh on both sides of you know that defensive line the offensive line uh you know again I think we're starting to see what he imagines, what he's envisioned for this thing to look like. And the way that they just kind of won up front was, uh, you know, consistently was, was just extremely impressive. I mean, the way that they came out and, and again, got on, like we mentioned like the starting fast and the inferior opponent, Miami, Ohio, but also like Miami hasn't played teams like this very well. Like they haven't come out and just smacked someone around like this for four quarters, like a group of five team that came again, a respectable group of five team. Uh, You know, so I think to watch them kind of do that in game one, come out of the gate, uh, you know, it's, it's very easy to look, look at week two and say, oh, Texas A&M is coming into town and kind of look forward or whatever, but they came out and I love that beginning of the game kind of came out set the tone and then they maintained and then second half came out set the tone and then readjusted right because in that first half they kind of struggled in you know especially like in the red zone that red area they came out in the second half and in that third quarter they were great they were much much better they scored two touchdowns i believe or maybe maybe it was three of them um, you know, in that red zone, you know, with the Mark Fletcher run from 26 yards out, the, you know, Henry Parrish had the nice run in the th- third quarter. Uh, Don Chaney scored from like 20 yards out as well. Like, you know, that they, they, they even made some of those second half adjustments where, where they struggled in the first, qu- in the first half, they maybe, you know, they, they executed and corrected in the second half. And, uh, you know, so I was just extremely, extremely encouraged about the way that they played along the line of scrimmage. And again, I think it was one of those things we just kind of needed to see it. And uh, again, you start watching even from the TV view and, you know, all like you get, you get obviously the different angles. And man, it was impressive. Some of the some of the holes that that offensive line mm-hmm. created. I mean, that's an extremely physical group. They're athletic too. It's not they're just they're not just a bunch yeah. of tra- They're not statues. They're like these, yeah, these guys aren't like just grown like huge grown men. These are huge grown men that are that are pulling that are you know all over the place. These guys are like tractors, man. I mean, these guys are 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 creating lanes. They're they're moving around. I mean, all of them, every single one of them. Matt Lee to me was awesome. Like I think he was really really good. I he mean, was the
0: one in the rewatch that really stood out to me yeah like, he was
1: unbelievable
0: he get, like on the uh Colby Young uh touchdown he didn't necessarily make a game changing block but he kicked out there again remember he, he is the center he kicked out there and got in the way of a defender that helped yeah. create that tunnel for Colby to uh to run through and also too I think there was another Again, he's the center, and he's out there pulling and leading the way for um, some runs to the edges. So to me, I agree. Like, to me, Matt Lee was a weapon. He was special in that game. There was a lot of high-level offensive line play overall. um, But to me, Matt Lee kind of validated. Like, we've been pumping him up since he arrived last January. To me, in that game one, he definitely lived up to that hype, if that makes sense.
1: No, no absolutely absolutely did i mean really the the whole offensive line i think lived up to kind of the hype right like i think all of them uh you know really performed they really stepped up and you know you kind of see and that that's what again i think a big part of this is just i think this program just needed to kind of take on mario cristobal's identity and i think we're kind of starting to see that take shape again i don't think it's done i think that there's still some work to do but i feel like across the board you can see maybe more buy-in that everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction because of the identity that they kind of played With like Miami established themselves as a physical team at the line of scrimmage. I think. I think, you know, like I think that they put on tape that, you know, this is gonna be a very, very strong team up front on both sides. And again, I think when you go into the course of a season and you're gonna run into some tough opponents, like I think at least that I think that's where you kind of want to be strong over the course of 12 games. And I think that, you know, you see that they're well coached, uh, they're disciplined, and you know, again, they're 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 definitely a bunch of big bodies on both sides. And Look, that that's a that was a Miami Ohio team that games gave some other teams problems and uh, the way that they kind of handled them, uh, you know, again, both sides of the ball was really impressive. They were great on third down. uh, You know, I think that's a place on, on defensively. You know, I think defensively they're great on third down. That's a place I feel like they kind of struggled in the past, too. um, You know, so I, I thought it was I mean, really, a lot of that stuff that just kind of stood out uh, in the instant reaction, I think, was kind of just emphasized on the rewatch because I think those guys really just got after it.
0: Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP.
1: The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid.
0: All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today, erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient a judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way.
1: Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things.
0: Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice-consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances.
1: This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at Midwaysports.com.
0: Any quick hitter points on offense before we go to quick hitter points on defense? Like anyone else, like we talked about Matt Lee, anyone else you want to highlight offensively? I think we did a good job, you know, discussing the running backs uh, in the instant reaction. Uh, to me, like Tyler's performance, if we're going to talk yeah. about quarterback, um, you know, he, he got the ball out really quick. I think this was you go back and look at the data by pro football focus. That might have been like the third fastest. Like, I think his average time to throw was two point one two point one eight. I forget the exact time, but two point one something seconds, um, which was like the third fastest he had gotten the ball out in a game against an FBS opponent in his career. Um, So to me, just look, I think it's obvious, like he's somewhat limited with whatever he's dealing with. So I liked that he was able to get that job done as a quarterback. Uh, Now, I mean, we'll get into this later in the podcast, but on the flip side of that is, you know, is he able to push the ball deep Like, like he normally does slash you'd want him to see? I think that's a fair discussion we can have later in the podcast. But overall, I liked how he got the ball out quick, got the ball out to his receivers in space, and allowed them to pick up yards after the catch. Like Colby Young, I mean, beyond that tunnel screen, he did a good job in the short passing game. And the thing I liked about Colby is he embraced kind of becoming a physical runner Mm -hmm. after the catch. Like he was running behind his pads. He's a big wide receiver. And, uh, you know, he he was picking up three, four, five yards after contact on a lot of those catches, which I liked seeing. Um, I don't know if there's anyone specifically you want to hire that was like, you know what? After the rewatch, he he played pretty well too.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I think it's just the running back group in general. Like, I, I mean, I thought Henry Paris played a great game, but I feel like all four of them, they, they all ran hard. Uh, I feel like yes. they were all—they all brought something. I mean, even Don Cheney. I know that we've kind of highlighted the other three guys, but like there was moments that Don Cheney was running really, job. really hard too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I—I I think all four of those guys, you know, played. Uh, you know, played well. Again, I, I think maybe they're running with some confidence, knowing how great that offensive line is. There's an angle on the Henry Parish 37-yard run that I think the TV shows that's just like absurd with how much room he had, and like just there was like three different lanes he could have chosen from that were just totally wide open. And I just think that when those running backs, you know, they see all that stuff, I think they're, those guys are just playing, you know, just in, in a way that they know that they're going to have more to work with. So I mean, I thought all four of those guys. I mean, Mark Fletcher uh, was awesome. He had a really good pass i forgot which play it was man i had it off but I, I, there was one play like a passing play where he kind of picked up a blocker and gave tyler and gave tyler and dyke like another second or two to just kind of you know just get a ball off and i'm pretty sure it was a completion and um uh, you know he kind of got i think it was a first down too but mark fletcher showed that he could that he was able to pass block which i think is really encouraging uh so i mean i think the running backs you know i think deserve a lot of a lot of credit for the way that they ran and i think those guys did a really good job
0: how about defense to me You know, we've talked about how there's three areas that Lance Gidry immediately made an impact year over year compared to what we saw last year. We talked about third down. That was an elite performance on third down on Friday night. Um, run defense again, very strong. Uh, elite through three quarters, you know, when they, when they substituted, um, I guess it was elite through four quarters. It was it was a very strong run defense uh, performance, and then limiting the explosives over you know through the air. Miami, of course, last year led the country in allowing ten passing plays that went for at least fifty yards. Miami did not allow a passing play that went for forty yards on Friday night. So those those were three very encouraging factors big picture holistically by the defense, but if we're talking about like individual performances, Gabby, to me, I want to highlight, and and honestly, this speaks more to, I think, the performance of the second team defensive line, rather than like the first team underperforming. I felt like there was like very little drop off from the first team to the second team. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, if you wanted to make the argument, like the second team defensive line, particularly the edges, Jafari Harvey and Ruben Bain, Played better than the starters, I I might not I I might not push back on that. Uh, in in a pass rushing way, I think Harvey and Bain played better than the starters. Um, so I think that was encouraging that there really was no noticeable drop off from Nigelique to J- Jafari yeah. and then Akeem to Ruben. Then also too, to me, Gabby, like I think Jared Harrison Hunt played a pretty good he game did. as a as a backup defensive tackle. He flashed quite a bit to me.
1: Yeah, I think all. I mean, all is guys. Jafari Harvey is. I mean, I texted you just before we hopped on. Like, I thought Jafari Harvey uh, played a really good game. Uh, you know, kind of serving in that Jack role where he got he was the only ab- sack. Of the yeah, he, he was able. He was rushed. He was able. The way he was able to rush the passer and even I think generate pressure. Like, I, I haven't looked yet, but I, I would I'm curious to see how many like pressures maybe he's credited. With credited that with because he, he i know he 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 was in the backfield a lot like he kind of got did. back there and then the way that he was able to kind of drop back in coverage like and and he was not like a liability out there like he was able to kind of do things back there and just kind of you know play kind of again off the line of scrimmage and and do different things like that and and i think that's a, a valuable like you know i'm just thinking about like nfl trait for jafari harvey to not just be just yeah. like a, a a pass rusher a guy that who could you know again maybe be more of a three four outside linebacker and that's 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 the that versatility is is something that the the nfl covets and you know we'll see where that all ends up for him but you know i think he put some stuff out there that again shows that he's more a more versatile player than maybe we've seen from him in the past so i think jafari harvey was good um you know Ruben bain again i think he was he was great too just the way that he was kind of just again generating pressure there was a play and he and i think uh I mean, Brett Gabbert had to end it. He ended up just throwing the ball away. I think it was in the second half. Reuben Baines playing on the inside just gets like insane push from the inside, basically like throws the interior lineman, basically, you know, almost into Brett Gabbert's like lap. And Brett Gabbert just has to like get rid of it, throws it out of yep. bounds kind of downfield. And like, so Reuben Bain, again, stuff that doesn't maybe show up in the stat sheet, but you'll, you see the way Affect that the he's exactly the way he's affecting the quarterback and kind of collapsing the pocket. I mean, I thought Reuben Bain, even on Jafari Harvey's first, first sack yep reuben Almost bain was like him. yeah reuben yeah. bain was like a count away from from maybe having that himself so uh you know i thought it was a really impressive debut for him um you know i think all those guys i think the the defensive line uh played extremely well uh you know all the, i think in, in leonard taylor in flashes kind of had some of those moments where he was he able did. to kind of break through the line um you know I, I don't think it was just like his just this overall like insane but i, I mean i think he helped them kind he of solid again. yeah yeah he was good and um Yes, I mean, I think the defensive line was really good. I was impressed by the linebacker play too. I mean, I think Francisco Maui was really take. good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Game one, way too extreme. Hot take.
1: Okay. I don't it. know if
0: I don't know if I necessarily believe this yet because it's only a one-game sample size. Um, but is Francisco Maui Noah the best player on this defense?
1: could be
0: like college player. Like I'm not talking like projecting to the NFL yeah. and all that, but just like, could he be the best player for this defense this year?
1: Cause yeah, I felt I mean, like, I, think I
0: felt like at times, like particularly in the third quarter
1: where he was their best player third quarter, he definitely turned it up. Uh, you know, I thought, I mean, again, I, the way he plays that middle linebacker is, I don't think that we've seen linebacker play like that here, uh, in a while. And I think he was extremely impactful from that middle linebacker spot. And I I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's like extremely hot takey. I mean, people probably take it like hot takey because of Cam, because of Cam obviously. But I think Francisco Maudeau had a better game than Cam Kitchens. And again, I think we'll see. But yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, it's I don't believe it yet. But I
0: think, you know, he, I mean, he's definitely one to of to his performance, I guess. For is sure. What I'm saying.
1: For sure. And I thought even weak side, like I that KJ Cloyd, Wesley Besaint. Okay. Who battles, do you have between that? Like if you had to I pick think it's one. Clo- I mean, I think it's, I think both those guys so had you got moments. A pick one.
0: Give me one. I think I give Saint the, the nose. Like I I have him by a hair.
1: KJ cool. made some plays too. He had a nice tackle for loss. He he made a couple good plays in coverage too. He did. Um, I'm not I mean, saying
0: it's enough to supplant him. Yeah. As the starter and KJ played maybe 10, 10 more snaps than Besaint yeah. in the game, but
1: I think Wesley played a – like, he just flashed more to me, so – yeah. I, don't know. I mean, he had that big sack and on that sack, I like, you know, just on the rewatch, I saw like James Williams comes down and tells Wesley something. And I don't know if like he checked he him, if he checked him into, I don't like, know that... if Wesley just did his own thing or if James yeah, told yeah, I'm, to I'm honestly very curious about like what to like... me, it
0: looked like Wesley did his own thing still. Like, I don't yeah. know if he necessarily listened, to Listen to him. Yeah, because James wanted to tell him something because he po-
1: he pointed like to someone else, but then Wesley right. just kind of goes. So I don't know what the I, I don't know if that if he just kind of went rogue there or, or what the case was but i'm curious about what that 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 what that dialogue was it obviously led to you know a, a great sack i mean what whichever way that kind of turned out so yeah I mean, that was a really good play i mean i mean wesley kind of goes untouched uh you know gets 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 in the backfield there i mean he made a couple other good plays but i mean i like kj too like i do too but I, I, I think too. i think i mean again i i think we're st- i think that's one of those positions i mean you can just rotate both those guys in agreed, because agreed, agreed. i think that they both kind of bring I think they both bring enough juice where it's just like, you know, maybe KJ is the older guy and all that stuff. And he brings a lot of that physicality too. But I think Wesley does as well. And I think you kind of just bring them both along and you have two, you know, guys that, that can definitely play that spot at a, at a, at a, at a winning level. Uh, so yes. I, I think I like them both, and I, I I thought KJ made a few plays, and you know he kind of, he, there was times where I was just like, man, I mean that was that that was solid right there from KJ. So I mean I think both those linebackers, Francisco and KJ, what were and Wesley, of course. Ah, uh, but I'm talking about the starters. I I think that's a I think that's a solid duo for kind of just like what these guys want to do. Their their top three linebackers, is like infinitely
0: better than what we've watched. If we're talking top three linebackers yeah. for the you know since. Shaq and Pinkney left, right? Yeah. Like um, that's really the story. Um, those three guys are are what it should start to look like here at Miami at linebacker. Um let's just go secondary too. Like honestly, like for me, Gabby, I don't really know what to make of the secondary because I don't know if Miami of Ohio has something receiver wise and, and even just quarterback wise with the way Gabbert was, you know rattled by Miami up front and the way they affected the quarterback. Um, I don't know if we can take much of like what the outside quarterbacks did. They did their job and they played well, but I'm not ready to be like, Oh, Miami's cornerbacks are good moving forward. Um, I think it's just hard to tell, you know, I think to me, Gage Larvidane, the, uh, the slot receiver on Miami of Ohio is clearly their best receiver. he gave Miami a lot of issues, um, you know, at the nickel corner spot. So to me, that's a spot I'm kind of watching. Um, but in general, you know, I think the the corners did their job. They did, you know, Daryl Porter and Jaden Davis, um, were solid. Uh, I don't think like James Williams or Camp kitchens were really tested at all through the air Mm -hmm. and they did their jobs for the most part. Um, tackling you know safeties are gonna miss a tackle or two per game that's kind of how that goes but for the most part they were good I said after the in the instant reaction podcast I thought James played a a good solid game and I still feel that way after watching it
1: Yeah. And James, just even on special teams too, Uh, on on that, on that big special teams on that big punt return that James Williams had the big hit camp kitchens was right behind him, So, you know, again, you know, tip of the cap to both of those guys for being two starters and, you know, being on special teams and, you know, really just kind of getting after it. Cause I think both those, I think either one of those guys would have made a play, but James got there first. Um, You know, I I thought James, I mean, from James, I I just want to see kind of a clean game from him. Like I just want him to, to be a part of, you know, I just, I just don't want him to that. make some of those for sure. And he kind of came off, he came off the, he blitzed off the edge. I I, I don't remember what part of the game it was. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it was the second quarter, but he kind of came off the edge and he, again, kind of set, he kind of had a pressure the there that effect, yep. again, affected the quarterback. He didn't get home, but he m- impacted that play. So again, I think it's just watching James kind of, kind of morph into this, the type of player that I think we kind of think he can be potentially, you know, in the NFL just kind of, and, and he played a lot of like free safety. Like that was kind of cool to watch more kind of watch. Yeah, watching him kind of just play center field, which was very interesting. But then you also saw him kind of buy in closer to the line of scrimmage. And when he did get there, I mean, he was he was obviously impactful there, too. So, I mean, I think I think James Williams had had a clean game. So uh, that was encouraging for me to watch. Uh, And again, I I think just with the corners, too. And I think we've talked about this some like it did feel like they kind of went match up like they tried to kind of match it up. And I don't know, man, I just feel like I guess it depends on what it looks like, but. To me, I think Jaden Davis needs to be the star uh, or the or the nickel, whatever however you want to kind of call it. I think that's where he's kind of best. And I think he's a good cover. I think they're a porter. I mean, again, you know, watching back, uh, you know, I think he was he was he solid did a good in job, coverage. But yeah.
0: I don't know what to make of it. You know, right, like yeah. Miami of Ohio's outside receivers were exactly.
1: Kinda... Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously they're gonna I'm with you
0: gonna... on Jaden and Nickel. I mean, we've been clear about that.
1: Yeah, I just uh, don't think, you know, I don't think the Corey Couch is, is the answer there. And I think we've, I, I don't know. I think, again, like we talked, you talked about the the slot that Miami Ohio did have, who, again, I thought he was clearly their best player. Um, and that was, even that was like a troublesome matchup for him. So, and Jaden,
0: in a smaller sample size, he did do a better job against yeah, him. Yeah. Um, I think again, he's just Jayden's better suited just for better. That role. He's just a better yeah. player. So right. that's not like some big shocking statement. Um we're gonna find not to talk about A and M already. We're gonna find out about Miami's corners in week two. Oh, absolutely. Um other areas to monitor, right? After rewatching. I touched on it a little bit, Gabby, but I think it's fair and and I think there's explainable reasons for Miami's lack of a downfield passing attack Mm -hmm. um in game one. You know, it is game one. I think number one, it's clear that Mario slash Mario wants to establish a physicality on offense and game one against Miami of Ohio is an opportunity to do that. So I think the emphasis was, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to show we can run the ball. And they did that. I think there's a little element too of like, okay, let's not show Texas A&M everything. I think that, you know, that's like a 5% thing going on there with the lack of a downfield passing game. And then I, th- I do think, you know, look, there's something to the thumb thing and being able to throw it deep. And with zip, I think it's fair to say, you know, I don't I don't want to put a percentage on it because that's just kind of ridiculous. But I don't think he was like 100%, Tyler, yeah. with his arm strength and zip that we normally see him. Uh, now, he's able to go out and function. Um, but when we're talking about throwing outside the numbers and when we're talking about throwing it deep, um, that's where you're going to notice the issue um, that, he's, that he's playing through. So, you know, the the data supports, too, that Miami did not attack downfield. Um, I think there was only two deep shots from Tyler in the game. There's another where, the, you know, Miami picked up, what, a, a PI or a holding? I forget yeah. exactly. Um, but you go back and look last year, and again, this is in the Josh Gaddis offense, which isn't going to attack deep as much as the Shannon Dawson offense. But last year, you look at the games where Tyler started and finished against the FBS opponents. He averaged five and a half deep shots per game. So those numbers were significantly less that needs to change against A&M. You ain't going to beat, you're not going to beat A&M if you're not attacking downfield in some manner. Also too, Gabby, it just kind of, you know, within this point, I personally want to see more Tyler Harrell. I think you look around college football, watching games yesterday, and one thing that just struck me in general is Miami lacks speed at receiver um, with their top three. And again, their top three can go out and get the job done. Um, I don't think they're slow. I think they are fast enough, but they don't have like game-changing speed. I think that's fair to say. They do have a guy on the roster in Tyler Harrell who brings that threat to the field, though. And so personally, I would like to see more of him moving forward. Um, And so those are kind of – that's like the passing side of things that I want to monitor. You touched on it too. Red zone, it's got to improve. Two of four touchdowns on uh, red zone trips last year. We all remember Texas A&M. Uh, They made four trips into the red zone in that Texas A&M game settled for three field goals um, went over four on touchdowns in the red zone in that game Uh, and Texas A&M on the flip side in that game last year, two trips into the red zone. They scored two touchdowns on those trips and that proved to be the difference of the game. So just areas to monitor again, I think overall Miami's offense went out and executed what they wanted to execute. Like it was a good performance, Uh, but again, These are areas to monitor moving forward. To me,
1: yeah, no, I mean, I I mean, agree on both, and. Now again i think that there's there's there, the team played a, a good game and i to me the most concerning thing would probably be just like the overall speed and again i think it's like, we're just watching and i think it was just that it was just kind of watching the sport and just being like man like shoot i mean you, you saw freaking colorado right like colorado had some very real st- yeah very, very, I very mean, fast. dylan edwards was i mean just even tcu I mean, very yeah, fast all those, all those guys i mean the, i mean guys you just watch college football all over and you know there's a lot of there's speed on the outside you need to have that speed and i I do think that that's just what's just not that's probably the one element that is just not quite there yet and um you know even you know as much as you know a guy like josiah trader i'm just like thinking into the future like as much as he kind of helps miami in the outside he's still not like that ultra speedy guy i still think and you know i think ray ray joseph gives you so i think he has some of that speed but i still think that that's one element that miami should really just try to invest because That's like you can't teach that stuff, man. You just need a guy that's just good. And that, like, for example, that gauge, you know, the, the slot receiver for, for like, I was just fast. Like he was just really fast right. and really quick, you know, like that's a, like, that's a, like having that tool is a weapon. And I do think that, you know, I don't think Jacoby George is the fastest guy. Colby Young honestly showed some juice on that he does. for his the, size. Like, yeah. That's pretty size, fast. He's definitely, he, defi- he, he could definitely move at his but size. Like I didn't the know. Suddedness. he had that. The Right. Suddedness the suddenness is, is definitely. Yeah. And I think that's just across the board, like on the, like the the main outside receivers because like even Isaiah Horton seemed like the first guy to be kind of like rotated in, and like he's not like you know the no. fastest guy either. And then we kind of saw Tyler Harrell into the game, and there was even opportunities where we were kind of looking, it's like safety's kind of like on the other side, like, you know, it's kind of like single high safety. Like Tyler Harrell had a had like a one-on-one matchup, and it's just like that's where maybe I would like to see them take a shot just because he does have that elite speed and he caught like a, I think it was like a 15-yard like out. Um, but we didn't really see those like, and he's not, he's not a perfect player, right? Like for sure. He he does have drop issues. Um,
0: but you know, I think the speed, you know, supersede, like I, it outweighs those issues to me.
1: Definitely. Uh, I
0: agree. Defense. We talked about nickel, uh, covering slot receivers. That's something to monitor moving forward. To me, Gabby, again, this is nitpicking, and I said this, I think, in the instant reaction podcast. Turnover opportunities, you know, I think if you're going to beat a Texas A&M type of team, you got to generate turnovers. You got to have those momentum swings. Um, so, I I think there need there just needs to be more opportunities for turnovers. I know uh, analytics people will tell you turnovers are random. I do think though, there's something to Talent, talented defenses put themselves in more positions to create turnovers, if that makes sense. So I think that needs to be something that's picked up a little bit here in the coming weeks. And then also too, again, I think Miami affected the quarterback with their pass rush, but I do think they need to get home more. And again, on the flip side of this, Miami of Ohio, Brett Gabbert, does a good job of getting the ball out pretty quick. He's also pretty slippery as a, as a scrambler. So there are reasons why they didn't necessarily have a ton of sacks, but Miami's defensive line accounted for only one sack. Jafari Harvey was the only defensive lineman to have a sack. That's not good enough. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about Miami's defensive line being the strength of the team. They are still this well the strength of the defense. They're still the strength of the defense. And, um, they had a, a solid to good game. Uh, um, so but what I'm speaking to is the standard's high there. And you gotta you gotta get the quarterback on the ground more than they did um on Friday night. Anything else you want to keep an eye on on defense?
1: No, I mean I think both of those points are are fair. And again, I think just the cornerback rotation is probably gonna be what I'm kind of looking at yeah. just because I know what's coming and you know, transitioning to Texas AM. Like I yeah. think that's one spot that I think uh, you know, I want to see how they kind of make adjustments for what's coming. Because as we both saw, David, I think, uh, you know, there's definitely some guys in that Aggies wide receiver room with some juice.
0: The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible
1: value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes,
0: call or text STAR today at 561 573 4661. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. So let's get into it, right? First impressions on Texas A&M. They, they handle business too in their Absolutely. season opener, 52 to 10 win over New Mexico. The thing that strikes me, Gabby, just again, we're talking first impressions. We're not going to go super in depth on Texas A&M and this podcast. We're just kind of throwing out what we noticed, just watching them kind of casually uh, on Saturday night to me, Gabby, what, what stood out is just how much of a different team they are on offense. Um, Bobby Petrino is definitely the play caller. Like Jimbo is not really calling plays. So that's a good thing for Texas A&M. And within that, you know, they know who their quarterback is and Connor Wegman. Uh, he is a much better player than what Miami faced last year and Max Johnson at quarterback also at receiver. They are totally different than what oh, yeah. Miami saw last year. So last year is kind of just like Anaya Smith was the guy, their slot receiver. Who's good. But this year, Anaya's is like their third, maybe fourth, fourth best yeah. receiver. Mm-hmm. They go Evan Stewart, who to me is like shades of Odell Beckham shades of Jerry Judy shades of Devonte Smith. Like he is scary, uh, Noah Thomas, who is six foot six, 200 had three touchdowns in the game. Uh, Moose Muhammad, who was a 600 yard receiver for them last year. And then Anaya. So Bobby Petrino has all these weapons to work with. He's bringing an NFL passing game, uh, mindset to Texas A&M. They're aggressive. They're throwing downfield a lot. They're throwing downfield on first down a lot. Um, they have the right approach now is kind of my take on their offense. And if you're a Miami fan, don't expect to see the same plodding Texas A&M offense you saw last year in that 17 to nine,
1: 17 to
0: nine terrible game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very different on both sides. I think both teams have gotten, better uh you know yeah, i think miami's a much i think miami's a much better team than they were a year ago i think tex a and a much better team than they saw a year ago they were kind of dealing with some quarterback stuff i think they started haynes king and then kind of ended up going max johnson or did max johnson start the game like it was just like they were like it was like a toss up about who was mm-hmm. even going to roll out there uh connor wegman is legit. to me legit you know the way that he was man he was really just pushing it downfield like he was constantly looking to push the ball downfield and he got, and he gets it there you go want a stat from him? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. It. So let's in see that
0: it. game, he had five incompletions. He also threw five
1: touchdowns. There you go. <laughs> I mean, to me, I mean Connor Wigman. I think I, will, I think he was the number one quarterback in the country for us. He was that, a five star in, in yeah. that twenty twenty two recruiting class. Uh, he looked like. A guy who is you know is 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 reflective of a that stud. ranking yeah he looked like a stud he has that big arm i think he was a baseball guy you see that he just has like such a natural whip on it and i think he has just so much like just really talented arm uh arm strength uh, again the way he kind of gets it he gets it out there the way he's actively looking to get it out there and again and i think it's just the bobby petrino he's you know obviously ingrained into that offense and i think it fits him really well and then you you kind of mix in he also has some extremely talented and unique weapons in a guy like evan stewart who's Scary. super so we're talking about suddenness who's extremely sudden who's yeah. extremely explosive odo
0: beckham like yeah. he just reminded me so much of odo beckham yeah,
1: he's just so good i mean i watched him on the seven on circuit He was really good there, and he would make some of these freaky contested catches where he just goes up higher than everyone and just grabs these things. I mean, Evan Stewart's a total freak. Noah Thomas, I mean, just that big, big outside receiver that can just go up and, and, and fights for contested catches. Like, he's not just a guy that's just like, Cat, like putting his hands up and catching it over guys, like he's going out and, and coming back to like that, that touchdown he had on the sideline. I feel like he made a good play to kind of keep yep. that ball in balance and make that happen. Uh, Wegman kind of dropping it in there for him, too, man. I mean, Noah Thomas, is super uh, impressive. Moose Muhammad, like you mentioned. And then, like, it's funny because I'm watching that game and then I hear Annias Smith's name. And I was like, man, that's yeah. like, oh, he's like, still kind of, there? Yeah, he's still <laughs> there. <laughs> like, it was kind of like that. Like, we're talking about all these other guys, and it's like, oh, wait, they still have Anaya Smith, who was like the guy we were like, we were like, like yeah. highlighting last year you know not really knowing yet what evan stewart was going to be while understanding the talent that he had but now right stewart's a veteran who's played a lot of ball i think he went for like 120 yards and two touchdowns yes yeah. uh, it was like on... a
0: quiet 115 and two
1: touchdowns yeah like, it <laughs> Super was quiet. like yeah. what yeah i mean it, it was i mean wegman was really good um you know even that they, they got a nice little stable of backs uh it seems like amari daniels the miami central uh, running back, he got plenty of burn. They have a another kid, I think it's Le'Veon Moss, and then the you know five-star true freshman Ruben Owens is a part of that that backfield as well. Um And then yeah, I mean that offense to me just look night and day from what it was a year ago. Yeah. And again, I, I think that the, what what they have on the roster. I mean, you watch how Texas a and recruits. I mean, this is what happens when you recruit at that level. You end Top up having a lot roster. of. Yeah, exactly. They have an extra- And then that team talent composite, I think they have like the yeah, number, four number, four. Yeah, number four roster. Number four in that four. team talent composite. And That's you why see I said it. that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you see it. Uh, you see, you definitely see all the pieces that they have and, you know, how they could be a team that makes some noise in the SEC after, you know, again, I think they just had a disappointing 2022 season, but it seems like they have guys in place to kind of, you know, start trending it back the right way. So the team talent
0: composite, for people who don't know, is a way of, Measuring the roster, like the pure raw recruiting talent on a roster, and so when you're adding all this up, roster by roster, ranking them by recruiting rankings, Texas A&M's is the fourth best. Now that's an indication of potential that does not indicate results, but still, it lets you know what Texas A&M's potential is. Uh, They are behind, I believe, like Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. So. That From a raw talent perspective, they're in that company. And then defensively, Gabby, just real quick, the thing that stands up to me is the defensive line, Mm -hmm. and and that's where they've devoted a lot of their talent acquisition to. Just the body types are prototypical. You got McKinley Jackson, who's like the plug in the middle of that defense. He barely played against Miami last year. He's going to be a difference maker for them this year. Shamar Stewart flashes like crazy with his... Ridiculous! Like there was a play where it was either end around or reverse by a New Mexico wide receiver, and Shamar like runs across the field and chases him down and accelerates quicker than the than the wide receiver is accelerating to get away from him. Uh, I think he I think he face masked on the play, so don't do that. But just the way he chased him down was just like crazy alien type stuff. And then you got Walter Nolan, uh, Twitchy, pass rushing, D-tackle, uh, Shamar Turner. They go, I mean, they they go like 10-D. Like yeah, they're like five stars. So that's where it starts for them up front. Um, they need to play better run defense than they did last year, and they showed signs of doing that in that game. To me, Gabby, we'll get out of here on this. I think overall – You know, both Miami and Texas A&M had encouraging performances relative to what they wanted to get accomplished. Miami wanted to be, you know, physicality on the line of scrimmage, establish the run, and then on defense, stop the run, check, 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 Miami did that. Texas A&M wanted to get the passing game going, show improvement and consistency on defense, check, 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 did that. Both teams covered the spread, so relative to the player, the, the team they were playing against, they handled business. Um, so I'm excited for this game. Um, it's kind of a good little measuring stick uh, for cool. Miami, where they stand. Um, last year, one score game. I think, as you said, both teams are drastically improved from a year ago. And we're going to find out how much on Saturday. So uh, I'm excited to see where things are at. So we'll wrap it up there. Again, we'll go more in depth on Tex A&M uh, this week. And uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Hopefully, everyone's having a fun, safe Labor Day weekend. And until next time, take care.